Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Uh, not alongside me is my brother, Jesse Gleason, because he is working hard. Actually, he's uh, doing this. Yeah. I don't think he's doing exactly what they're talking about in the song. No. But um, He's working hard for the race car part. Yeah. Maybe. All right, so we've already been demonetized, so let's just... Okay, and as you've all heard on me via Zoom, like usual, is our Florida connection, Phil Jakes. Hang What's on. Up? There, it just wouldn't be right if I didn't play it. <laughs> Sorry. I have to play it. It's not going to go away. You have to accept this at just this point. completely demonetized in the first 30 seconds of the show. Yeah, I mean... Not that we were really earning any money anyway. So again, hello to our YouTube audience, because you probably just joined right now, because we play music at the beginning that's copyrighted, and we're going to get demonetized, so hello, YouTube crowd. It's always awkward if I don't say hi to YouTube after we play all the music. So anyway, we have a very interesting show, I would say, coming up this week. Um, again, my brother Jesse's not here for the YouTube crowd who just joined us. But we cover a lot of stuff. Uh, some that a few people may not know, but you know, why don't we start off with our personal updates? Because obviously, we're starting to creep into both of us kind of getting going racing again. I am going to be racing at Thompson this Wednesday, June sixteenth. I think features or uh, heats start at like six o'clock, and uh, features to follow. So, and it's going to be one of those uh, open modified whatever they call them outlaw i don't know outlaw it's a tour tour modified something like that it's a tour type modified race if anybody wants to come to that but anyway that's gonna be happening like i said june 16th uh i've got my car on scales right now i'm gonna finish it up tomorrow because we record on monday and uh geez i mean it's it's finally time to go back racing it's been two months uh and i'm really psyched i mean we're i think we're uh getting on the right track but every time I think that, I, I always say it, and it never really works out that way. So, fingers crossed, this time I'm actually right, and a blind squirrel finds a nut. Uh, Phil, what are you uh, doing this? you got to be getting close here. Yeah, we're, we're getting pretty close. Um, June 25th, we have practice at Citrus County Speedway, and then the 26th, we have 50-lap feature with the Wheelman Sportsman Series at Citrus County. So, uh, still got to get the car set up. haven't had a chance to really do that since I got back. Um, just a couple things to go through, change the spark plugs. Uh, I already did the oil, I already changed gears. So, I mean, I'm a little nervous, never raced the small tracks. So I think we'll you'll see what happens. I think you'll find it as a little bit, it'll be interesting. Like you're used to racing somewhere big like Thompson or New Smyrna because you ran there right. way earlier this year. Or was it back before COVID hit? I don't even remember at this point how long no, ago. Was... <laughs> I, I haven't been on track since February 6th. Ah, so we're almost in the same boat. Uh, yeah. So it's basically going to be like the start of the season again for us. Uh, but yeah, you're used to those big tracks and a lot of speed and a lot of straightaway. But the smaller tracks, I almost, after you're used to a bigger track, it's almost, 
I dare say, and I think this is probably wrong in a lot of people's eyes, it's almost easier to drive because you you feel like it's slower, so you just kind of mentally just think it's easier. You know what I mean? You probably feel like you can manhandle the car more, which is... I mean, I have some laps at Waterford in my old car, so I kind of have an understanding of the difference, but this is different car, different track, and the heat's going to be a huge factor, too. Nothing like I've ever experienced, so... Yeah, I've noticed that at smaller tracks, it it feels like things happen faster, but you you feel like you've got less speed, so it's almost easier to save a car or to manhandle right. it a little bit more. Because when you're up at those higher speed tracks, you kind of get crossed up a little bit, and it gets a little bit hairy because of the speed factor and all that. But um, I'm not saying that racing at a smaller track is easier. I'm just saying that when you're used to the speed, it almost feels easier. It's not easier. Because a smaller track will definitely wear your neck out faster, that's for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and you got to be really rhythm oriented and and very just on top of what you're doing. You got to be very regimented. So um, that's all I can give you for advice, even though it's not really advice <laughs> at this point. And yeah, no, I've I've been studying a lot of on uh, in car videos, and I've been to a bunch of sportsman races, so I know the line. Um, I know one and two drive different than three and four. Just watching it, you can you can see there's different mentality for each corner. So we'll see what happens. Go have some fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, there's those personal updates. We actually have some this week, which hooray for us. Um, so why don't we just I don't know. It's just oh yeah, Jesse's update is is he's back working again, so that's why he's not here. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, I'll speak for him. Uh, but anyway, um, so we might as well kick it right off because Stafford had a big, 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 huge, probably the biggest weekend of their entire existence, I would say. Yeah. Um, but we should probably kick it off with news people probably don't even know about unless they follow these people individually. Uh, I was told that Ryan Fern, the late model driver, was suspended for two races and placed on probation for the remainder of the season at Stafford for, quote, Actions detrimental to stock car racing for swerving at an opposing team on pit road. Now, Phil forwarded me the in-car footage that was forwarded to him from Ryan himself. And to be honest with you, um, I don't really see much of an infraction here other than speeding down pit road. Like, it was not very bright to be going that fast down pit road especially with people around but i didn't see him swerve towards people i actually kind of saw him turn away right so i don't really yeah, go ahead he he could have slowed down but I, I i don't think the punishment necessarily fits the crime maybe for the excessive speed a small fine or or a points penalty or something probation for five uh, for a few races yeah, nobody got hurt teach him a lesson but don't kill his entire season yeah i mean it it is Stafford's ball, you know, ballpark. It's their home. It's their, right. you know, it's their circus and we're the clowns, but uh, um, they run it. You know, it's it's their thing and they're going to do whatever they feel is right. Um, personally, again, I've seen the video and I just, I got I to gotta point it out when I don't agree with it. And that's all. Um, I know it probably looked different from different angles. It's a tough thing to call. But again, I think that it was just not befitting of that sort of incident. So I think we've pretty much beaten that horse to death. I don't, I don't want to go in and start arguing about the merits of, no. of suspending some, again, they've got their reasons and they've seen it a certain way. And, and we saw it a certain way and it's not our battle to fight. 
It's really not. Right. Which... I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. Nothing's going to yeah. change the penalty. So he's just going to, I mean, he's already missed one race at this point. So he's just got one more and he can go finish the season. Ryan's a fantastic driver. He's always fast, always in the mix. He's just got to keep his head, just back it down just a tick. Yeah. But again, that's just, that's all we're going to say. We're not going to say they did anything wrong or right. We're not saying anything. We just, that's our opinion. That's all we're going to talk about for that. And that's right. It. That's the news that we could break. Not break. <laughs> Who are we kidding? Um, but anyway. They, I, I will say I do like that Stafford openly posts uh, penalties and stuff like that after the, the races. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the fact that they're a racetrack that does tech, which is nice. So, yes. <laughs> speaking of somebody who's been on the receiving end of tech once, it's just, it's still nice. You know what I mean? Just to see that they're doing something. That's all. Um, any track for that matter. Racers want fair tech. We've already beaten that horse to death on this show. So, oh, yeah. before they had their big day on Saturday, they had their normal events on Friday. Now, I think we'll just scoot through the results unless you got something to talk about in which case please feel free to interject but um limited late models uh the story here was alexandra fern passing uh what's his face hammond she, rich hammond yeah she you know he, she got turned around by hammond the week before and it ruined her race but she got by him didn't do anything dumb you know didn't pay him back quote unquote just did what she had to do. She raced hard and drove by him. That's exactly what you do when you get dumped one race. You don't go out and you just seek vengeance because all you're going to do is basically just ruin your next race. And right. you've already got a race ruined under your belt, you know. So she did the right thing, went out and showed that she could overcome and, and you know, be, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, higher, I'm so out be the, of it. Be the bigger person. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> higher, bigger. I, Don't be higher. That's probably not a great thing on the racetrack. No, we, we know not people really who've been thrown out for that. It's not a great idea. Anyway, so um, limited late models. I've I've seen some newer cars showing up. Yeah, uh, that that division seems like it's finally getting getting its legs a little bit. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I mean, I, there were there were races a couple of years ago where they had like four cars. Yeah. So to see what did they have? Thirteen or fourteen? Something like that, yeah. About 13, 14. That's, that's not bad, considering we were all excited about 12 for the SRX, so I can't really complain. Well, they had that built into their format, so it's not like they could just say, hey, let's get more cars. No, that's what their format is. <laughs> Again, I've told people openly in... Well, not openly. I did it by DM, so sorry. I am a coward. Uh, that Stafford was uh, conditioning people for the SRX race by having their limited late model division because it's a cookie-cutter car uh, with uh, only about 12 of them out there, and they're about the same. So <laughs> they conditioned everybody for the SRX already. It's a joke. Don't DM me, please, okay? I don't want to hear it. It was just a joke, okay? Um, so we'll move on from that. Again, it was... I, everything everything I've watched here was pretty much overshadowed by the SRX race, so my memory is just kind of like gone <laughs> at this point. So if I forget something again, feel free to chime in because I'm totally yep. out of it. But late models were, I think they were up next. I think I did this in order, but Adam Gray picked up that win. Uh, I think he he's had a lot of pretty rough luck over the last few weeks, and uh, 
but he still had a fast car every week, and he's always had to come back from some kind of uh, incident that's happened to him, whether it be a flat tire or get spun out or whatever happens. But he's he's been making the most of whatever situation he's involved in, but now he had a nice clean race and ended up with a win. So that division's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, again, I'm eating humble pie like normal about the late models. I actually like them quite a bit. Um, they seem like the kind of division I would love to be a part of. If anybody has a ride and wants to put me in one, please feel free to DM me because I am desperate to race. Ryan Fern, stick him in your car for next week. I, I don't think he'll go for it. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm good enough, but I just, you know, I don't have that name, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I agree, though. That, that division is a ton of fun to watch. There's a ton of personalities from Wayne Corey, uh, Adam Gray, Tom Fern, Ryan Fern, uh, Mike Bennett. Like, there's a ton of Mike good Bennett, drivers in Ray, there. Ray, yeah, 44 yeah. car, yeah, whatever it is, uh, 42 car, I mean. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of guys. And again, it looks like the kind of division I would love to be a part of. They just, they're physical now. They're a lot more physical than I thought they would be. They beat the crap. I, I love it. I love physical racing. But they don't. I have, think that. I think they'd have even more cars, too, if they were all 604s. <laughs> it might save them a little money, you know? I don't know how much a spec late model motor is, but I think a 604 would beat it on longevity alone. Uh, yeah, um, I'm sure those spec motors are twelve, thirteen thousand. 13,000. Yeah. Um, I, I, would, I would wager to guess that much. I mean, you think about it, you, what were sportsman engines up to when you get them from a really good engine builder when we went to a crate? If you, 10 grand if you went to like some gary gary was charging 13 yeah if you went to gary gary's got killer equipment builds awesome engines but you're paying 12 13 grand for a sportsman motor that's that's just inconceivable if i could throw a, a princess bride reference out there um but you, you can't spend that much money if you're racing one of our cars and think about it now it's like well the costs haven't gone down, and these are late model engines. They're a lot different. They got different stuff on them. So you figure they got to be more than that, you know? Yeah. So I would love to see it, but yeah, that's not up to us again. And I, and Jesse's not here to play the freaking Russian music when I talk about crate motors. So, ha. I was just going to say that. So we can talk about crate motors all day. <laughs> Speaking of crate, crate motors. Crate motors rule the world. They will soon enough. Um, street stocks. Again, I think we're probably the race of the night yet again uh, oh absolutely without a doubt frank the three uh frank latois <laughs> no we yes again we know that latois does not mean the three it's we, we get it okay um there's an l in there somewhere uh frank kind of threw away my praise of him uh when i told everybody for weeks and weeks and weeks about him being a, a good hard racer and not poking you out of the way to win a race because he poked chris meyer out of the way <laughs> to win the race i think he was just tired of following him or he thought that uh what he thought chris was blocking him or something i i that's, didn't get the that's whole what he story. said but chris was definitely not blocking him he was barely there for half a lap he just got to him poked him out of the way and went I mean, Chris is the leader, and he can choose whatever line he wants if you're not next to him. And, yeah, if you don't like it, I guess find a way around him. But, I mean, sometimes, you you know, you just take it as this guy is protecting too much, and that could be considered blocking. I mean, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know, I mean. The, the only thing I really didn't care for were his comments in victory lane. I mean, the, the stuff on the track, it, it's street stock racing. It happens. 
Yeah, if you're gonna you just know? if you feel like somebody's blocking and you poke them out of the way and you win, just say thank Be you. Be humble. To, thank you. So just say thank you to your sponsors. Just yeah, you don't need to create any excess drama. I know it's probably frustrating, but if you win, can't be that frustrated. And you know? he, he did apologize for it on Twitter. I saw an exchange between he and Chris on Twitter, and it was, you know, respectful and gentlemanly. And yeah, he probably gets it. He's like, I, yeah. I, you know, we've all been there. We've all said dumb shit and. Heat of the um, moment, it happens. Yeah, Can't fault I mean, them. Yeah, it's you know we again we've all been there. We've all done it. Yeah. So I've, he's already he doesn't even need me to say it. He'd already said it. You know, and he already learned that. Just let's move on from it. You know, let's just move yeah. on. Uh, but anyway, it was a killer race. Um, just Frank had to dig a few times because uh, Chris got to the lead early. Like he managed to find the right holes. Nothing closed up on him. He started in the right lanes. The thing just fell to him. Frank yeah, had, and Frank was mired back in like eighth or ninth place. Frank had to really work for it, like hard. Yeah. And he had to use this stuff up a ton to get to the front. And when he got there, I don't think he was uh, really interested in trying to figure a way out or play games. I think he was just kind of like, nah, I'm done with this. I'm, <laughs> I'm sick of finishing second, and I'm sick of having to run through people to get there. It's yeah. like, uh, it is what it is. He didn't wreck him or nothing. He didn't turn him around. Chris still had a good finish. It's just short track racing, I guess, is what they call it now, right? Right. So. Well, and I mean, Frank's a good driver. I've raced with him a bunch. You've raced with him a bunch. And he's he's really, really clean. Oh, yeah. So I'll give him a pass. He once, gets, in a, once in a while, you can get away with it. Yeah, we'll we'll offer him a pass on this one. I think that's well justified at this point. So, yeah, again, we're not bashing the guy. We're just saying, look, just calm down. Okay, it's all right. You still got a long way to go. It's only June. Um, SK lights were next, and I said, uh, what last week or the week before about Derek Debus being kind of a disappointment lately because he hasn't been, he hasn't been winning every single race. <laughs> I guess <laughs> no. Yeah, it's not, it's not really a disappointment. I would say I was just kind of surprised. You know, I was just surprised that he wasn't as far up every single race because last year he lit the world on fire. It almost seemed like he couldn't keep the kid out of victory lane. Maybe the competition kind of evened out this year. I don't know. Maybe that's what was happening. Maybe he's just kind of saying, you know what? I don't want to be full of piss and vinegar. I want to try to keep all four tires on it and not screw up. And that's a tough division to do that. Go for a title. Yeah, you got to try to not wad the thing up or knock your toe out every single lap, you know. And so I think he's doing the right thing. He's gaining a lot of experience. Hopefully they keep him in there for a little while. He can gain a lot more. But he did win this race. I know he started a little more forward because of his last few finishes weren't so great, but um, again, just run a clean race and get it up front, and you'll you know make miracles happen out of nothing. So, um, have have you happened to notice on the broadcast with the SK lights that Ben Dodge uh, has been making a point lately to point out the fact that they don't have spotters? He has been, hasn't he? He has ever hmm. ever since that whole controversy controversy with Sammy Anderson. <laughs> Stafford, I know you're listening, so you could give us a little bit of credit, okay? <laughs> um, anyway, I love the place. <laughs> I really don't. I just, the first time I heard it, I was like, did he just say that? And then he came back like 10 minutes later and said it the same thing. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> to the YouTube users, I'm not, gaining, I'm not getting red because of, you know, my reactions to things. I'm just wicked sunburned from being at the, the races on Sunday, which I'll get to in a minute. Don't lie, that's alcohol consumption. No, I'm actually drinking diet <laughs> Dr. Pepper. <laughs> that's all right. I got sweet tea flavored water. Adulting. 
Oh, okay, yeah. See, we're professionals here. We're doing good. Um, In a Jack Daniels cup with a middle finger on the bottom. Yeah, that's just genius. <laughs> anyway, uh, I can't remember too much controversy coming out of the SK Light race. Can you? I, I'm trying to dig for it in my brain, and nothing's really coming up on that one. The so. only thing that stuck out to me in that whole race, it was kind of a, a laid-back race, was I don't know if something was broke on Meg Fuller's car at the beginning of the race, but she was like a windshield wiper swatting flies. Like she looked like she was struggling to keep that car under her. And I don't know if there was something come loose or, or a bad shock or something, but it, that was, yeah, it did seem kind of odd. It did look yeah, like it, that thing. Just, you know, my, what's funny is I had the same basic problem at Thompson with my car. Yeah. That thing right down the middle of the straightaway, it would kind of like hook like one way a little bit. I'm like, what is this thing doing? And then I found out that it was binding up on the chassis and I'm like, Oh, that's why. But, yeah. Cause I mean, we've raced against Meg. She's generally pretty smooth. Yeah. I mean, so th can hold the even car straight. This, yeah. Know? Even this year getting into the SK lights, she's made a couple mistakes, but she's been really smooth and had good speed. And that was just, it was weird to see. It was strange. It just looked like it was either way too much stagger or the toe was kind of weird or something. It just yeah. seemed like the thing kind of wanted to walk. It was just very strange, you know. But anyway, that was pretty much all we could figure out from there. Um, got a hair on my notes. Uh, so SKs. Tyler Hines became the first repeat winner in the division for the year. That was a good race. That was a hell of a battle between him and Rocco. I don't know if I can really say the Street Stocks had the best race because they probably tied with the SKs this time. Uh, but that was a great race. Um, they, I think there was somebody else in the mix, too, wasn't there? Was it uh, Todd Owen was in the middle of that one, too, or was it uh, somebody else? I can't remember right off the top of my head. I don't remember at this point. Again, the like SRX you... race kind of wiped my yeah. memory, so it's really hard to remember everything that happened on Friday. So, um yeah, but that was a great race. It came down to it right at the end. Some, if anybody had to poke anybody else out of the way, it was going to come down to it. So, it, oh, it was Kopsik and uh, Dowling were all that. That top four was all together right there. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dowling was fourth. Kopsik was third. Yeah, it was Kopsik. Yep. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Kopsik kept sticking his nose in there. He's always fast. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, he's been he's really been good the last few years. So yeah, that was definitely ties probably for the best race of the weekend up at Stafford. Oh, easy. Um, so they went to the Open 80 race, which they had again. Uh, let's see. Yet again, Ryan Priest dominates an Open Modified race, comes down pit road, and comes off last. <laughs> you got to feel for the guy. I mean, at this point, it's almost comical because I'm like, I'm yelling at my TV. I'm like, Ryan, just don't pit. <laughs> you have a better chance. Just I, stay. I didn't out. see or hear exactly what happened. What, what did they stripped, say the reason was? Uh, it stripped one of the studs on the right rear. Or a lug nut. Oh. A lug nut stripped when they were taking it off. I. You know what's really funny? They must be using aluminum lug nuts. You know what's really funny is I, I had a lug nut strip on me at Stafford last time I was there. Really? I had steel lug nuts, obviously, but I had a lug stud strip on me. It was brand new. Brand oh, new I've lug never, stud. I've never seen that. It was a coarse thread stud. I've never stripped a lug stud. I've broken lug studs because, we, okay, let me show my age. Way back in the day, I'm sorry, I had to use that qualifier. I'm an aging millennial, apparently. 
or no, what do they call them? Geriatric millennials when you're way at the beginning of this of the uh, Gerennials? Geriatric millennials. Yeah. Apparently I'm classified as one, so that's what that's my qualifier here. Anyway, when we used to race at like Waterford or we were first starting out, uh obviously we didn't have stuff like safety hubs or anything like that, but you didn't want to run a rotor with stock studs in it because obviously uh, they were like seven sixteenth studs, and you don't want to go that small, really. So what we would do is we would take a stock rotor and put Mustang two studs in it. And Mustang two studs are basically the same shank size. You could just pound them right into a stock rotor, but they are a half inch shank instead of a seven sixteenth shank. And they're obviously fine thread because they're stock bolts, and we used to buy that you know one inch lug nut for that, and they were way better than a stock stud. But, of course, way back in the day, we also didn't have air guns or impact wrenches like electronic ones. So we had a four-way lug wrench that my dad made, and he cut one of them off and shaved it down into a square and then Mm -hmm. stuck a one-inch socket on it and welded it on. So we had a four-way lug wrench with a one-inch socket on it. And we used to do our wheels that way. We didn't have a torque wrench either. So we would be torquing wheels down and we'd crank the hell out of one and snap the lug stud off. Oh. So it's like, yeah, we, that's this is old school. I'm talking 20 something years ago <laughs> at this point. God, I feel old. Anyway, um now my notes are gone. So <laughs> So Ryan Priest again loses it on pit road. What's this a third time in a row, fourth time in a row this has happened to him in a, in one of these races? I don't even know. It's just it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I think it, I think point. it goes all the way back to speed weeks. I think something in a, happened in a pit stop at speed weeks too for some reason. Mm. I just don't get it, man. I'm I, his pit crew um they all I know it consists of all his old friends and and buddies that have been with him for a while that show up and volunteer for him. They've done this a long time. I just don't know why it's going wrong now. Because it never did before. It used to be no, quick. No, it never it did. It never did. Now he's got this bad luck, and it's like, Jesus, man. Again, it's like, just don't pit, man. Just don't pit next time at all. Just, you have better odds. Just stay the hell out. Hey, he uh, still, he got there. He still he, was, he was there at the end. He needed a caution late, but didn't Yeah, get. if he had a caution with like five to go, it was all over. Yeah, but Chase Dowling picked up that win. Isn't that Ben Dodge's uh, start-finish motorsports car? Or something It's affiliated with him, at least, right? I think so. Yeah. Maybe? I'm pretty sure it is, because I know he used to own cars back in the day, and I'm, I heard that this was at least affiliated with him, so that's pretty cool. Um, obviously, Chase is a killer driver. Uh, yes. But that's a cool win for them, guys. Um, I need to talk... You want to go straight into the SRX? Because we're already talking about Stafford. Yeah, we might as well. We might as well. All right, SRX. This is a big, big deal. Big in the way that we're we're talking about an event that was seen on television by almost a million and a half people. 1.3 was the initial number. They're saying after they tally everything up, it might be 1.5 million viewers on this show. That's crazy. It's and huge. that's only TV networks. That's not even streaming platforms, right? Well, that's where the, uh, that's where the extra quarter mil is going to come in. Is probably where they tally that up. So that's at least what I was hearing from people who are familiar with ratings and how they like Scott Tapley. He loves to keep track of the ratings and stuff. So um, I think that's probably what we're going to see is about a 1.5 million after everything's said and done. But that's better than a lot of the normal IndyCar races. You look at the ratings on IndyCar races, they're teetering close to about a million, eight, nine hundred thousand. Right. SRX first shot out of the bank. 
1.5 million people. That's crazy, and I love it. I love seeing these numbers. Um, obviously, they're not NASCAR numbers, but they're not even established. I mean, but they are on network television, which is great because a lot of people love watching. You gain a bigger audience on network television because that's TV that a lot of people don't have to pay for, and they're getting entertainment from it. So that's a big TV deal, especially. I know it's only six races, so it's probably not a huge amount of money, but it's a great investment in the sport, which is nice to see. Absolutely. Um, I do have a couple beefs. Actually, you know what? I only really have one beef with it. Um, make the heat races shorter, guys. You really yes, kind of lo- agree with you're that. losing my attention span a little bit. I know this is a brand new thing. They're probably still hashing things out. Instead of 15 minutes, let's make it 15 laps. Let's make it 20 laps. I don't care. But let's make it a little shorter because I think that you can still get the same uh, program from a little bit shorter heat race. You know, 15 minutes, that's a long heat race. That's the length of a lot of features that we run. If they go right. green, if they go green to checkered, that's a feature. And you're running two of them. And then you're running a 100 lap race. So it's and how many little... how many laps did they get done in those 15 minutes? 37? I want to so say So why don't we make it a 25 lap heat race? 20 laps would be fine with me. You know, 20 that laps. Would be, yeah, that would that's be... fine. 25 would be fine too because it's still shorter i mean you're you're talking about racetracks that imagine this they're going to be going to slinger in a few weeks because they're doing every week uh for six weeks they already did week one so they're going to be doing the next five weeks i think what they go into eldora next or something uh i can't slinger i think slinger eldora knoxville then back to lucas oil they got one more too and i can't remember I can't remember the last one, but we didn't. You know, we're really good at this. We didn't write notes. So <laughs> anyway, no, we didn't we'll, write any notes. We'll be we'll be keeping track of it anyway and talking about it. But yeah, just um, so they're going to be going wherever. But I think they're going to be going. You have to make. Here's the kicker: is that you have to make these runs on one set of tires. So when you have a fifth, you have thirty minutes worth of heat races. These guys are not going to be going all out because they have to conserve tires. And when they have to conserve tires, the racing gets a little boring because these guys are conserving. They're not running at 100%. If right. you made it 15 laps, then, yeah, maybe they would go for it, You know, especially if you added some incentive like, I don't know, finish towards the front. You start towards the front. I don't know. Or you know, only take half of the front field for invert. You know, if you start after the last six or if you finish after the sixth place like seven through 12 then maybe you don't get part of the invert maybe you don't get to start forward towards the front i don't know you, you, you could do something really weird and winner of the heat race starts on the front row and the rest of the guys get inverted that's actually a really good idea i like that you win one of the heat races you start on the front row you win the second heat race you start on the front row like the other if you win both of them you kind of like daytona 500 qualifying yeah i like that it makes sense, I think. I mean, it, it rewards those that are fast, and it makes the others dig deep. Yeah. So you got that. That's actually yes, they're probably not listening, but <laughs> no. I mean, let's be honest. But um, that's a yeah. I like it. You give them a call. Make sure you <laughs> tell them who. Let me, let me get right on that. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll send uh, Ray a message. Tell them who you are. They'll probably they'll probably listen to you. Oh um, yeah. But the yeah, making laps podcast. Yeah. Come on, guys. Lots of clout right there. Come on. We're perfect for this. We got this answered. Um, but anyway, um, 
So they had that that night, but we need to touch on the SK All-Star event first because that's what ran first. Now we saw I didn't even see that. It was on Flow. Um, I actually caught it late because Flow said it was going to be on at 6. I tuned in at around 6, and uh, that was the end of Stage 2. So I only got to watch like the last lap of Stage 2 and then the finish. And I was like, damn it, I wish I could have seen all of it. Yeah, but, I got I got home just in time for the uh, heat races to start, and I found a, a stream on Twitch that was pirating it. Because you don't have network television or something? I don't have network television, and I don't have an antenna. I really need to get one. I was going to say, you could just contact your cable provider, and they'll probably just hook it up for free, because I'm pretty sure there's a government mandate that says basic television is free. You just pipe it into the house. So I don't know. Just, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you should be able to get CBS for free. Like local channels, because uh, that's how it was back in the day. So I think it again. I think it's a government mandate. You should look into it. Uh, but anyway, it was nice to see. There was a few old guys who showed, and I use old guys. No, they're old guys. I'm not gonna say I'm using it loosely. Jerry Pearl. <laughs> Jerry Pearl was there. He's what seventy something years old. I don't know. I I didn't even know he could still get in a race car. That was I impressive to hear that he was doing that. I don't doubt the man though. But, again, you don't see a lot of 76-year-old guys jumping in a race car, and I give them all the credit in the world for doing it. Because if I was that old and I'd raced those cars long, long time ago, I'd love to see what the new ones were like, too. I'd be like, damn, I got to see this. I got to see what this is like. And it it wasn't like he was getting in junk, either. It was a Todd Owen car. No. And plus, he kept his nose clean. He was just out there for the good time. And I'm like, you know what? Cheers. Have a good time. I don't think he ran the whole race, though. I think I feel like he pulled off after like seven or eight laps. He might have. I saw him at the bottom of the field, but I didn't. Again, I didn't tune in early enough to see what was going on. So that's cool. And then Bo Gunning showed up, and obviously Bo is uh, one of those guys where it doesn't matter how old he is, he's still gonna go for it. <laughs> and I didn't. Bo Gunning is. <laughs> he's a legend. <laughs> yeah, the guy was just a good time. To watch and it didn't care if you loved him or hated him he was just a good time um, him and tc together was always a good show oh it was great i loved watching those guys race at thompson uh and then mike christopher senior dug his fire suit out and uh hopped in the old backup car i think he finished fifth too he did he was leading some of it um but mike christopher jr benefited from senior's aggression at the beginning of the last stage because boy Senior says, oh, Todd ran me up. He didn't. He ran him into the grass. <laughs> but it was fun to watch. They were monster trucking each other, and Junior's like, thanks. Drove underneath everybody from, I think he had to start fifth, and got to the front. Tyler Hines was in uh, Dougie DePisa's car, and they renumbered it 73, and that thing was stout. He was all over him, but I don't think he had the tires at the end because they were running hard. And... uh yeah, Mike Jr. picked up the win. I think he uh, pocketed about 4500 bucks for that win. Uh, nice. I would have loved to have seen a little bit bigger field for that, but that's uh, the second big win of the year for Mike. He won one of the open races in Tommy Baldwin's car earlier this season, and then he comes out and wins the SK All-Star race. That's pretty cool. So that I'm, I'm surprised that someone like Woody Pitcat didn't run that. Uh, it's all a matter of who's going to give him a ride at this point. You know, it's... I'm sure well, somebody think, would have, but nobody. I think offered. he's got the second most wins at the track. I mean, that would that would deserve a ride in my eyes. But if I had a car, I would have. Absolutely. <laughs> but have you looked at me lately? Come on, I ain't got that money. <laughs> no, um, but anyway, 
So, yeah, Mike Sr. finished fifth. He gave an interview at the end of the race, and it was just funny because Matt Buckler called him Ted. And uh, he's like, that's my brother. Uh-huh. And he... And that was, it was just funny because Buckler's like, come on, you know, I've, I've spent all these years, I've never been able to tell you two apart. It's really hard, <laughs> you know, so. I can't even tell them apart. And it's it, so hard to, you know, it really is. I mean, I, I spent all year last year with, with Sid doing the, or two years ago, rather, doing the show and all that. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And I'm, I was assigned to Mike Christopher Jr. and dealing with Mike Sr., I was, Constant double takes. Yeah, it's like, oh, jeez, I keep forgetting. Like, oh, man. But he, he's like, oh, I'm not getting back in one of these cars. And everyone's like, oh, he's calling his retirement and stuff. It's like, well, dude, he hasn't been in a car in forever. I mean, he kind of gave yeah. it away already. It's just that he wanted to come back and do one more, you know. I uh, want to see him in a street stock. I want to see him bang some fenders, man. That would be a lot. Hell yeah. Probably, probably piss himself laughing because he'd be like, ah, screw all you and just beat you. Oh, I'd love to see it and I'd love to run against him. It was like Jay Stewart going back to street stocks. It'd be amazing. It would be a mess, and it would be hilarious at the same time. But anyway, so that moved us on. A few hours later, they had to let CBS get all their broadcast stuff put together, and I think it was like a two-hour break. That sucks for the fans who were there. But Yeah. I mean, network Well, then TV, they had all kinds of pit party and all that stuff to do during the day, didn't they? I think they did it before the races, which did they? Yeah, a little iffy, but that's okay. But um, again, hopefully, I'm pretty sure I wasn't there. I didn't see anything, so they didn't tell me what kind of entertainment they might have had in between, or if it's like, hey, take a break. But again, network television needs to set up. They need to get all their stuff in order and get all the cars lined up and drive. I heard a bunch of people complaining about the uh, autograph session because people were charged money for it. And then uh, with a whole bunch of people left before they uh, before they got all their stuff done, they ended it, and a lot of people paid for it and then didn't get autographs. I don't know. That's probably something you should take up with SRX for instead of Stafford because that was not their deal. Um, so that's kind of iffy, but, you know, that's I guess they got time constraints. So it, it would suck if you paid and didn't get an autograph, right? But oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd be pissed too, but. Anyway, um, so moving on, we had the SRX race. Now, I did not write down the lineup, but uh, we had guys in that field like literally this year's Indy 500 winner and four-time Indy 500 winner, which is incredibly rare company. He's only the fourth guy to have ever done it. Uh, Elio Castroneves was there. We had Michael Waltrip, uh, Paul Tracy, Tony Kanan. Uh, yep, Tony Kanan. Uh, Marco of, Andretti. Yeah, a lot of IndyCar guys. Tony Stewart, yeah. Greg Biffle, Michael Waltrip. Uh, I'm definitely missing one or two. Bill Elliott, Bobby oh. Labonte, Ernie Francis Jr., there. Willie T. Ribs. That's right. And the ringer car, the Brocky Balboa car, as they called it, Doug Kobe, six-time Whalen Modified Tour champion. Uh, I want to say he's also been a champion, a track champion at uh, Stafford. He's got 30 wins there. Well, f- I think it was a pro just... stock championship, wasn't it? He might have been, yeah. I think it was a pro stock championship. Um, but, yeah. So they had him in the ringer car, and they had everybody else. And, again, it was 100 lap, well, 15-minute heat races, two heat races, then a 100-lap feature race. They had celebrity crew chiefs. I think Mike Christopher Sr. was actually one of these celebrity crew yep. chiefs. Uh, they had Jeff Hammond there. Uh, they had a bunch of other guys there that I 
just could not remember for the life of me. But they had no spotters, uh, which was fun. Uh, obviously, they had big-ass mirrors in the car like a street stop. I have questions about that, though, because I heard when, when Kobe took the lead late in the race over Biffle, I heard someone say over the broadcast, you're all clear, go get, go drive away or something like that. Well, that could have been from Pit Road. You know what I mean? Maybe. I mean, it was probably his crew chief going, yeah, you're good, dude. Drive off. I mean, that's what I would do. <laughs> so it's not really a spotter if you got somebody on the infield. You can't see the whole track unless you're spinning around like a top. But anyway, so who I, I really kind of wish I'd written down who won the heats, but with how the heats played out for the start, did it really matter? I know Michael Waltrip won one of them. Uh, so Greg Biffle won one of them. Hmm. And then it was Greg Biffle, Bobby Labonte, Elio, Ernie Francis, and Tony Kanan were the top five in that one. And then Doug Kobe won the other one. I thought Michael Waltrip won one, didn't he? Or I, ah. I'm just going by what Race Monitor says. Yeah, I just I think what did Biffle win the first one? Again, we we're really good at this. <laughs> I think Biffle won the first one and. Walter won like, the second one, and then eventually... Uh, I feel like race monitors screwed up because I'm seeing a full field in both heat races. So There was a full field in both heat races. Oh, there was a full field in both heat races? Yeah. Yeah, every, everybody, everybody started the heat races, and they had to run both heat races because then um, they didn't have green-white checkers, I think. They, they also counted caution. No, it was timed. It was timed in the heat races, so everybody ran both heat races because if you had a caution, which they did have, the clock yeah. still ran. But if you had half and half, if you had a caution or two, you would be running less laps, and they'd get a little bit more of an advantage on their tires because yeah, then, they, yeah, they'd, yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch the heat race. Uh, I had obviously I was streaming it on my phone, and I just put my phone down and added on and walked away because I had just gotten home. So. I, I didn't to, really start paying attention until the features. I need to apologize to the YouTube audience because my camera is starting to look like I'm going through a snowstorm. Well, that's because it's fallen over about 50 times because Jesse keeps dying and knocking it over. So uh, just apologies for that. But anyway, so we went to the feature race, and Doug Kobe started... Where did he start? He started like towards the front, like on the pole, right? Something like that? He Again, we, we didn't write on notes. on the pole. Yeah, because I, I I thought I could go off memory here, but obviously that's not the case. I should probably write better notes. But yeah, he started on the pole, which was probably really, well, it was, ended up being really bad for everybody else because since Doug is the ringer and he is not only an incredibly talented race car driver, but he knows this racetrack by like, the back of his hand and he knows how to save tires because of all of his tour experience. Uh, and they're, you know, very light um I know they don't have a lot of tires that they're allowed to change. What they're on a tour race, it's like two or three tires. So it's not like yeah. you could really change tires that often. This is a little bit, it's about an average tour race. And it's like, okay, well, you got to manage tires. So he got out front early, set the pace that he wanted to set. I know he got challenged a few times. Uh, he might have swapped the lead once or twice, but he did save his tires enough that, you know, after cautions and such that happened, I think there was only like, one or two cautions, weren't there? Yeah, there weren't a lot. Yeah, and um, a couple guys backed during the wall. A couple guys had a few wrecks and stuff, but no real major thing. I think Greg Biffle, the story was he had to go to a backup car after his 
altercation in the second heat race that damaged the rear suspension. So he went to a backup car and people were like, well, wait a minute. What about the tires? He's going to have a tire advantage. And to be fair, yeah, he did have a little bit of a tire advantage. Seven laps. There was only seven laps? Seven laps. And I don't even think it was really an advantage. I was watching an interview with him and they were practice tires. Mm -hmm. So they had multiple heat cycles on them compared to what he already had. Oh, yeah. And they sat overnight, too. Yeah, so I don't think there was really an advantage or a disadvantage there. Okay. So, I mean, he did have a little fresher tire, but he had also a heat cycle, and the tires got hard overnight. So uh, I was also kind of – I was told or hinted at that they might be the same – they were a bias-ply Goodyear tire. And uh, I was told that by the number it might be the same tire they used to run on the uh, – uh, Bush East or Bush North or whatever, K and N East, whatever the hell, whatever they were called back when they ran them. But I was told yeah, that I they they might be something like that. No idea, honestly. But that would be cool. It is cool that it's a bias ply tire because on a short track they're a little more forgiving, and they give up a little bit of good racing. So I like that. Uh, I don't think a radial tire would have given you a great race for that. Um, so yeah, they slide around a little more. It adds to the excitement level. So anyway. Um, yeah, they don't have that that sharp edge to them, like where the car will instantly snap. They're a lot more forgiving. Yeah. So, long story short, we get a long green flag run at the end. Doug's leading. Stafford's going freaking crazy. And then I think Marco Andretti cuts a right front, and they bring out a caution with about five to go, so they're going to have a green-white checker. The, the way Marco Andretti was racing, are you surprised he had a flat right front? Nope, but you know what? I think he, he went was, full Ted Christopher to three one time. I three think, wide, just knocked everybody out of the way. He sent it in the bottom. Hilarious. I think he finally figured out that fender car racing is really the way he should have gone because I think yes. he had a lot of these IndyCar guys, especially Elio, these guys were hilarious to watch because this is a completely different animal for them. And they were doing really well, and you could tell that they were having absolute ball doing it. And I bet oh, you absolutely. Th- this is something that they might translate into a hobby later on, I think, because this was just cool to watch. But I'd love to see those guys in some super late models down the road. E- either that or come come run bigger cars, like a Arca or K&N ride or something, you know, just some taxi cab thing, or I don't know, whatever's more They don't fun. have rich daddies to buy them the rides. Yeah, they're rich themselves, they can afford it. So anyway, um, restart, green-white checker, Tony Stewart's behind um, Doug, and I'm like, oh, here it comes, this is it. And who do you have to his outside? Was it Biffle? He had to have Biffle on his yeah, outside. Yeah, it was Biffle was outside. So he's got two... Big names in NASCAR and racing in general, if I'm honest. And uh, Doug nails the restart, doesn't spin his tires, gets it down. And these cars have 700 horsepower, too, by the way. So yeah. you 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 got to be real light on that throttle. So he nails the restart, gets it down into turn one, gets his line perfect, manages to get off perfect. I mean, the guy's got so much experience doing this, and especially at Stafford that it all paid off for him. He was, he managed to clear Biffle enough that he couldn't just dive bomb him. Tony couldn't dive bomb him from third. And Doug just did a perfect job and just comes home with a win in front of 1.5 million viewing in a full-packed house at Stafford and wins one for the short track guys. And I just could not be happier for him. No, just, absolutely. That was... I, I, I kind of had an idea that he was going to be really good because Doug's a shoe. He's probably one of the best around here. 
And, I mean, we've seen him drive. He drove a K&N car a couple of years back at Thompson, and he was fast as hell. So he can get in anything and wheel it. I just hope that this kind of opens the eyes of a lot of people and shows them short track racing is a real deal. You know, we're ju- not just a bunch of hillbillies running into each other. It's it's legit racing. It's great racing. Yeah, I think Doug showed the entire world, the entire viewing populace that was watching it. I mean, think about it. One and a half million people. That's a big damn audience to win that race. That's probably the biggest audience that's ever seen Stafford at once. That's the biggest audience that's ever seen Doug win. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the... It, we're not even going to talk about him in his victory lane speech, or his victory lane... Um, antics or not antics but incident because everybody already knows about it but that's that's it's i find it to be a detractor from him winning you know what i mean it was you know we'll talk about it it's it's not that he was so excited that he you know jumped out of the car and just lost his feet he actually tried to get out and the window net was bunched up right there and really really slippery well he was also on the fat flap too Oh yeah, he didn't open the fat flap, but Doug is not fat, so he didn't need to use the flap. And that thing and is it, slipperier than hell. It's just a piece of fiberglass, yeah. And it probably flexed and slipped under it, and whatever, he fell down. So what? So what? I put a tweet out that said when my brother won in 2013, he won the he won the World Series at Thompson after 13 tries in 2012. Sorry, it was 2012. But he won after 13 tries. He should have won the race like five times. And when he finally won that damn race, I was thinking to myself the whole time, something's got to go wrong. Something's got to go wrong. Every single time he's leading, something has to go wrong. And he finally won it. And I'm like, oh, great. And I go to hold the plaque up in the victory lane. And it's upside down. And the photographers, the photographers are pointing it out to me. Hey, it's upside down. I said, take the picture. This is the one thing that's going to go wrong today. This is it. And they took the picture with the plaque upside down. And we still have that picture. And if Doug falls on his ass getting out of the car, winning that race, so, so be it. it. Yeah. So be it. That's the only thing that's going to go wrong. That's it. You know, he'll take it. You know, and the way he handled himself, too, after it, he just kind of brushed it off, says a lot about who he is. Yeah. He stands right back up, celebrates the way he wants to. I just really hope that it opens the door finally for the guy, you know? Yeah. Finally open. The guy's in his 40s now. Does that matter? No. Not really. Look at Josh Berry. He's 30. He's getting it done. Yeah. Denny Amlin's in his 40s. Kevin Harvick's Kevin in his Harvick. 40s. Age, honestly, guys think that young drivers are really the way to go and they're the best drivers. They're not. Maturity matters in racing. It really does. And I'm not saying that as an old man. I'm saying that because when you've been through it all, you know how to handle yourself better. Your reactions don't really slow down that much when you get to 40. They don't. You know, I can still catch no. a fly out of midair. You don't, you don't lose a lot. You know, it's just a, it's a fallacy in racing that you got to be this young kid and this hot shoe, young gun nonsense. It's all nonsense. You know, I mean, you watch guys who are literally and I know it's a different discipline, but we went to the NHRA race this weekend, watched John Force win. The guy's 72 years old. Right. And he's driving a car at 330 miles an hour in less than three seconds. You know, and he's won. Let me look it up here. He's won 153 national events. He's 72 goddamn years old. Age does not really matter that much in racing. Yeah, if you're getting up to 70, I doubt you're going to be a cup driver. You know, you still got to have some stamina and some, you know, you got to you got to last in 150 degree heat in four hours. But again, I really think that you hit your prime later now. 
I think that you just racers really, you just the young guns are too immature. You need an older guy who knows what they're doing, and they've been through it all, and that's what Doug is showing right now. It's like, look, man, I'm still in the same shape as I was 20 years ago. You know, the, the problem is with these young kids is they come in and they don't have any real racing experience in anything like a street stock or a late model. Not Mommy a, and Daddy buys them a, a legend car or a Bandolero, and then they jump up, and all of a sudden they're in a freaking Xfinity car. Guys like Doug and Ryan Priest and you know Woody Pitcat and all these guys who deserved rides in the big leagues, they came out of shit. They came out of nothing. You know, look at what Woody came out of. He came out of Dare Stocks. Yep. He's running tour races, winning them. Damn it! When he ran for Buzz Chew, he almost won championships. You know, if not for a couple bad luck things, Doug came right. out of the same thing. You know, a lot of these guys are picking themselves by the bootstraps when they're kids. You know, and they're getting into street stocks and and like enduro cars, and they're working their way up. And sometimes they luck out and they find somebody who'll fund it. Sometimes they're lucky sperm and they can afford you know a better ride. But you know, a lot of them, like even look at Keith Rocco. Kid started in a street stock. He learned how to smash fenders out. You know. You learn yep. from the bottom, you get to the top, and Keith's another one who deserved a bigger ride than what he's got. I'm sure he's doing fine with what he has now, but damn it, you know, the streets, the the, the local racers can get it done. And Doug Kobe showed that they can get it done, and he showed the entire damn world that they can get it done. Because right. he went out there and he spanked them. He spanked guys who made millions of dollars racing their entire lives. You know, they some made, made millions of dollars just a couple of weeks ago. Some some made he beat a four time, four time, Indy five hundred winner. You know he beat NASCAR champions. He beat Tony Stewart. You know the guy's still racing and winning in in dirt tracks. The guy's still doing everything. I mean, think about it. He's transitioning over to top fuel dragsters. You seen that yet? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. That would be so Leah, great. Leah Pritchett stuck him in one of his her cars, and they he got his license and a couple other. It's been crazy to watch. Yeah, he was up at uh, Epping, which we were at. So we should wrap this up. We're getting a little bit long in the tooth on this uh, SRX deal here, but yeah, um, Doug Kobe. I just think killer. it was a good thing overall. It was just a it was a killer event. The cars race awesome. The the personalities are great. The guys are having a great time. The fans love it. The TV deal was great. The coverage was awesome. I mean, just fantastic all around. You guys got to watch it. It's on network TV. You got no real excuse unless you're Phil. I'm going to call it before the end of the year, though. Tony Kanaan and Paul Tracy are going to get into it somewhere on the on the track. They're going to fist fight. I guarantee yes. it. Paul's going to fist fight with somebody, but we don't know who it's going to be. So, Probably the record driver. Oh, man. So, can we go to the opposite end of the spectrum? Okay, I got a bone to pick here. Uh-oh. Waterford. They held an event, which they probably shouldn't have even done. <laughs> okay. Look what you they were up. They should have taken the week off. Yeah, look what you were up against, okay? Sellout crowds, 1.5 million viewers, the biggest names in auto racing up at Stafford, and you put out this show, okay? I'm not, this is not a knock on any of the racers, in any way because let me tell you something all you racers who participated in this event you are the backbone of racing you are the epitome of short track racers you are the exact definition of the sport okay every single one of you because it's racing in its purest form is what you do okay like all these enduro guys x-car guys 
mini stock guys, legends guys, you are, literally are the the epitome of short track racing. But I gotta pick a pick a little bone with the people who put the show on. Uh, this was four cylinder fury at the speed bowl. Okay, I got the results here. I'll I'll list them later. However, um, but let me just kind of pick bones here again. It was a show showcasing four cylinder cars, which is obvious by the title. It's four cylinder fury. It was twenty dollars to get into the gate for this. Okay, twenty bucks for this. You had a fifty lap mini stock race, a legends car race that paid two hundred fifty bucks to win. A four-cylinder enduro, which they didn't even mention how much they paid to win. An X-car race that was 250 bucks to win. And the mini-stock race was 500 to win, which I did not mention. And um, 50 laps. And 50 laps, right. Here's my problem. This lineup would make for a decent Wednesday night show. Um, there's a hierarchy in racing. Everybody knows it. I know it, and I'm not saying this because I want to make people feel bad. It's just the truth. I accept it. You all should accept it. These divisions they had were four out of the bottom five in the top in the tier of racing. The one I left out there was the Super X cars, or if you're from Seekonk, Pure Stocks. And if you're from Seekonk, X cars are Sport Force. There, that's out of the way. Um, but again, these are kind of the bottom four. And a lot of these would not make even the top five tiers of NASCAR regional racing. Um, and I know that sucks to say. It's I really don't want to say it. I don't because I love you guys. But, um, again, a $20 gate price up against the SK All-Star Race and SRX Race from Stafford. Literally and on Seekonk. network. And Seekonk, which did have good counts. There was no, and a good crowd. And a good crowd. Because they are far enough away from Stafford, they can still draw their own audience. But there's a reason this didn't work. And again, it's not against the racers. It's really not. Again, this would make a very strong Wednesday night crowd. But 20 bucks to come in for a four-division show, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get the people. I'm sorry, even if you brought in somebody like... If you're going to have a four-cylinder Fury night and you leave out TQ Midgets, NEMA Lights, NEMA Midgets, Mini Stock Tour, you got to bring in a lot more. You know, you got to bring in more people, but you might as well not even raced. I mean, the Mini Stocks, you're paying them 500 bucks for a 50-lap race when they should be getting 500 bucks for a regular race, to be honest, or even more than that. Look at how much their engines cost. Right. These four-cylinder guys, they should be getting 250 bucks minimum to win these races. I mean, these are just kind of weak purses. There was nobody in the crowd. God, I feel bad for you guys. I really do. I feel bad for these racers. They deserve to race in front of a crowd. But, again, I I know all about the hierarchy. I mean, I, yeah, I race a sportsman car or limited late model, if you want to call it that. But I know that I'm going to be upstaged by a late model, by a modified, by a... Pro stock by whatever the hell else is above me. You know what I mean? I know that I'm not high on the totem pole and I'm not going to get the attention that they get. And there's a reason for that. It's because they spend a hell of a lot more money than me. I'm not spending $50,000 a year on an SK. You know, I'm not even spending 10% of that. So yeah, these guys deserve a little bit more credit, obviously. New England is modified country and the fans, for the most part, are modified fans. 
and they watch the uh, support divisions just to watch them. And the, the crowds that come on Wednesday nights come for the antics and the craziness. And they're all supporters of those those cars. And you know what? Yes. It's a great value for the, the amount of entertainment you get because I know the car counts have been coming back on Wednesday nights. They're seeing 20-plus cars and X-car, Super X-car and stuff, which is awesome. Okay, that's great. I love seeing it. They need to bump the Legends car numbers up a bit. But they don't have INEX sanctioning, and it's really hard to do when you don't have INEX sanctioning. I've explained it all before. INEX is everything for those guys. It really is. They have a lot of different national divisions. People race for those points. It matters, and if they don't have it, they're not going to show up. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. But, again, I feel for you guys. I really wish you guys had better than that. But, it, you know, if you're going to race there, you're going to race for it. And that sucks. It just does. So that's my My biggest thing is don't make the race fans and the racers have to choose because the better show is going to win out. I mean, you you won't go up against Sailfest, but you go up against Tony Stewart and his organization and Ray Everham. Yeah, a major network TV event. You're going up against CBS, Tony Stewart, and Ray Everham. Just those guys. Not even everybody else. They had they had Elio Castroneves there for God's sake. They had the biggest name in the world at this point. You can't go up against it. So you know what? We need to give these guys their due. Okay, we need to give the racers their due. Fifty lap mini stock winner was Jared Roy, and he made it happen on a last lap pass, from what I'd heard. Again, it's like the second or third time he's done it this year. The last lap was the one that he only one he led, and he picked up that win. That's good for him. Uh, Legends car winner was Zachary Martinez. I didn't look at the count to see how many they have, but again, they've been teetering around 10 to 12 on Wednesdays. No idea on Saturday. I think they had seven. That sucks. I'm sorry. It just sucks. I wish they had better, but... I remember when they had 30, 35 of them show up. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody would flock to the fence to watch them. Oh, because they were a hell of a show when they get a lot of cars out there. Yep. Anyway, again, INEX sanctioning makes everything. But four-cylinder Enduro... An old friend of mine, TJ Rassicott, won that. He's I know he's working on a uh, sportsman car to get that done. He's pretty close there. Uh, and X-Cars was Christian Herman. He picked up that win. Again, I, my cousin races X-Cars, so it's like I feel for the guys. You know, I really do, and it sucks. Uh, so anyway, that's my bone to pick with Waterford. Um, again, I don't, I don't want to make people feel bad, but that's just kind of how it is, and that sucks. You know, it really does. All right, so uh, I'm going to go through Seekonk results just because I want to give those guys their due. And we did get a couple different winners. Uh, we had sport trucks. We had Rick Martin pick up his 97th career Seekonk win. Freaking ra- radical Rick. No, sport truck. Rick Martin's racing a sport truck, too. He's not only racing the yeah. postdoc, he's racing a sport truck. Oh, I know. I know. But he hadn't. I don't think he'd won this year unless he won one. But that's, I don't know if. But again. I think he won a couple weeks ago. It, yeah, because Barry Shaw has been kicking everyone's ass, and he'd won all of them except for one, and I think Rick probably picked up the other one. Yeah, I think that's who won the other one. So 97th career Seekonk win for old Radical Rick. He's been there forever. Love to see that, I remember that, him though. there when I was a kid. <laughs> it's like me watching all these other old guys race, but the, all the guys who were racing when I was a kid are definitely long gone because I'm old. Uh, Street Stocks, we had a different winner again. Uh, Joe Kohler won that race. Uh, late models. I think the first, uh, multiple winner happened this time with Vinny Arigando. He'd won earlier this year. They were 
they had a different winner every race until now. Vinny was the first uh, two-time or multiple feature winner this year in the late models. However, Pro Stocks, Dave Darling won, and that's... Shocker. He's won every race but one. Guy's just so good. Just ridiculous. You're not going to beat the guy. I mean, come on. Okay, so, Jesus, we're already an hour in. Screw it. We don't have a time frame on this thing. Uh, I need to... uh, This is another thing I don't want to talk about. Uh, Exit Realty Trucks winner from Manadnock. Connor Souza, I believe, was DQ'd. Again. Not him again, but... What's it? The last six winners in that series have been DQ'd? That's that's what I heard. I, I mean, I don't even pay attention to I've, that clown show anymore. Here, um, I'm. I looked for results. I looked for media. I looked for updates. I didn't find anything on any social media platform or anything, which sucks. I wanted to get the story right, but from what I'm reading from other people who were there, this is the result that happened. Um. Uh, again, this is they apparently gave Lucas Leone the win, who he was also thrown out the last time they raced at Mendadnock when he supposedly won. Um, but when you again, what what did I say it was? It was like six winners in a row that the series has DQ'd. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm I heard. Again, we won't. We would love to report facts, and we would love to report truth. But when you can't, but there's not much of that coming out of that series right now. When you can't find it, it's really hard to report on it. I mean, I'm searching on Facebook for their Facebook pages and stuff. I find two of them. Neither of them have any news or anything on it that pertain to that. Any sort of, like within a frame time frame that's even reasonably close to the to the race. Like oh, six days ago. It's like you just ran a race like yesterday. Where's your results? Um. Yeah, so it looks like um, I, I found the results there on their website, and Connor Souza is listed as finishing ninth. Apparently, his finishing position was adjusted for a restart violation. Okay. I don't know. I'd have to see it to. I don't to, know to really call it how I'd see it there, but I must have looked before they posted that. But again, it's I, just every indication is that series has become an absolute clown show, and God there's da- people selling their trucks and moving into different divisions, and it, I mean, it stinks because I want nothing more than for them to succeed, and they could be so good with oh, such yeah. minor little changes, and it's just frustrating. You know, there's a reason I never invested in it, and it's. Kind Those of, trucks, you know. we have good fields of them, 20 or 30 of them at a time down here. And when they're a good field with good rules and good tech, they're a fucking show. Sorry, Sid. You're going to have to wait and find this one. One hour, six. Okay. <laughs> anyway. No, really. They're, they're a show. They're, they're fun to watch. It's good racing. You can beat and bang and... But God damn it, you know, when you when six people in a row get DQ'd from wins in your series, maybe it's not them. Yeah, yeah if you have that many issues, look in the mirror. I, again, this, I want it to, I love trucks, I want it to succeed, it could be awesome, you know, but there's, and there's so, you don't have to do a lot to fix this, you really don't, just... Maybe talk to people. Maybe have a meeting. Maybe swallow your pride and take right. hint. You know what I mean? Take hints. You know, group think. 
toss Some this around with a whole can't. bunch of people. I don't know. I mean, I want this to be better. I want the racers to have a good time. I want them to have somewhere to go. I want different types of racing. I love trucks. I want them to succeed. But God, you know, you're going to... There's you're, a reason you're gun- that everybody in that series calls Marshall Hurley Marshall Law. You don't have to aim your gun at your foot. There's a target in front of you, you know? You don't have to aim at the ground. I mean... Yep. Uh, okay, I'm done with it. Don't be too <laughs> stubborn to take it, take uh, opinions of others. I'm I'm good. We're done. So, <laughs> so Jesse and I took in a different type of racing that we never talk about on the show, and there's a reason for that. And it's we we went to the NHRA New England Nationals up in Epping, New Hampshire, and we'd been talking about going to this forever, especially since they even came to New Hampshire, which I think they started coming in 2013. So this is actually a quite a relatively new event for the NHRA. I mean, uh, I think they uh, New, Eng- New England Dragway was I- IHRA certif- or, uh, sanctioned for a little while, yeah. probably 92 to 09 or something like that. I can't remember the exact dates, but it's like 90s to early 2000s. And then they picked up an NHRA sanctioning, and then they uh, started to make like different changes to the track, upgraded the sound system, upgraded the track, put a scoreboard or the uh, the big Sunoco Vision at the end of the track, and new scoring towers and all. They did all these improvements to it, and they managed to score a national event, which is the New England Nationals. And that's been again, it's a very recent thing, 2013 since they've been doing it, and 2020 they didn't have it because of COVID, all this other nonsense. So Jesse and I finally, at the spur of the moment, literally at the end of the last week, said, okay, why don't we go? I got the day off. Jesse has the day off. We took off. We went up to New Hampshire. It was, you know, it was great. We showed up there at about 10.15. Traffic was a little heavy. Had to get parked up. Elimination started at 11. And when we walked in, we took a little walk around, and then they started rolling off eliminations like round one, walked over, found our seats, it ran like clockwork, and they ran like Top Fuel Funny Car, Pro Stock. There was no Pro Stock motorcycle. I don't even know if that exists anymore, to be honest with you. I haven't been paying attention. I don't attention. know. I haven't watched in years. It's tough to watch NHRA when you were such a big fan as a kid like me and Jesse, and uh, it was the first time we'd been to a national event in like 30 years. We went in like the late 80s, like 89 to like uh, English Town, and then the next two years we went to Reading in Pennsylvania. I mean, the golden age. Like, we, we got to talk with people like Eddie Hill and Kenny Bernstein and uh, Joel Motto and, uh, oh, God, I can't remember names, uh, Don Prudhomme. And I remember walking through a crowd of people, and I accidentally bumped into Don Prudhomme. And he looked back and said, oh, sorry, guy, and just kept on walking. And I'm like, that was freaking Don Prudhomme. Like, you imagine 1991 me, you know, going, holy shit. Yeah, I I obviously wasn't going through puberty at that point, but anyway, um, it was just pretty cool. You know, we didn't go through we didn't go through the pits. I didn't go through the pits. I did it when I was a kid. I didn't really care. I wanted to watch racing. They had a bunch of sportsman cars there. Uh, they also did a little um, junior dragster exhibition, which those things are cool as hell. I remember being a kid. I remember being a kid when they first started those. And I'm like, God damn, I want one. And my parents are like, you ain't getting one. <laughs> it's like, okay. They, they scoot for what they are. They got like a little 50 or 60 horse Briggs on them, and they, they ride out. The the top tier ones go about 80 miles an hour in the, in the eighth mile. 
I'm like, damn, that thing was moving. The little kids pulled the shoots and stuff. It was cute. I loved it. Then they had a little. Oh god, mis- they got shoots on them now. It was funny. It was just kind of for for laughs. They don't really need them, but they just throw them anyway because the kids. No, are getting... they don't need them. No, they don't need them. They're only going eighty miles an hour. It's just funny to watch. The shoots are little tiny things. And they throw the lever. It's cute. But they had nostalgia nitro cars, like nitro floppers. Oh, they were awesome. They were awesome cars to watch. Um, guys doing like half track burnouts and stuff, doing big shows. And these cars are from the seventies and they're getting all over the place. It's hilarious to watch, but they were good fun. Um, I might as well go through some results, but they, it, like, again, it went like clockwork. I mean, we started eliminations at 11, had all these divisions to run through. Obviously nitro cars need at least an hour turnaround per round to get the cars torn down and rebuild everything rebuild the clutch rebuild the engines put everything back yep. together dry fire the thing in the pit get it all put back together so you need at least an hour it used to be like 90 minutes i think it's an hour now but you it's, it's crazy how fast they can get all that done too oh it's ridiculous and um it was just a lot of fun there's no bad seat in the house but i would sit as far down the track as you can but um Again, it ran like clockwork, and it was... I saw some idiot Darf on Twitter talking about the ratings between the SRX, and they're like, oh, that's why drag racing goes to get ratings. They run like shit. And I'm like, dude, this was the most organized, fast program I've ever seen in racing. It was the most awesome thing to watch. We were actually, the entire day, ahead of schedule. That's how fast they were running this thing. We even Sounds had, like Josh Veneta era Thompson. We were even, you know, I was like waiting for an oil down or something to happen. We even had one, but a car popped after the lights and it leaked a little bit in the shutdown area. So it's the place, it's part of the track they don't even prep. So they didn't even have to like take a long cleanup. They just dusted it down and dried it up. Burned it off and got rid of it, yeah. Yeah, they just... Again, if you're in the shutdown area, you don't have to worry about cleanup so much, you know, because you're already you're not in the gas anymore. You're slowing down with the parachute. So they got that done quick. Um, hell, even Ron Caps popped the clutch or, or something blew up under his car because there were sparks and flames under it about half track. And even then he didn't oil it down or anything. So it's that was even a quick cleanup. They just checked it and they're like, OK, pull them off. We're done here. But we were treated to it. It was just a great show, and we were out of there at like four o'clock. Like it was eleven to four. That was it. Ran all That's the eliminations. It was great. It was obviously it was like eighty-five and sunny, and there was no hiding from it, which is why I'm kind of red. But the rest of me is great. I have no sunburns anywhere. We were really good with the sunscreen. It was fantastic. I would say one thing: they definitely ran out of water at the con- at these concession stands. So we were buying lemonade, and the lemonade was the most god-awful watered-down garbage you ever bought in your life. At least it was only 3 bucks, and I was technically buying a cup of ice water with some lemon in it for 3 bucks. But anyway, I didn't even buy food there, so <laughs> it's like... Um, anyway, great show, great time. The announcing staff was fantastic. I think it was... Uh, it might have been Dave Argabright. I can't remember who the hell it was. But uh, anyway, Brian Loans. Yeah, but he's doing it. Yeah, he's doing the Fox broadcast. But we were talking oh, about okay. it was like the PA announcer. They were gotcha. fan. They were fantastic. The sound system there is amazing. Um, just it was just a well-oiled machine. It was so awesome. Uh, we got to watch. Uh, let's see. I'll run through some results. Uh, Pro stock. Somebody I didn't even know about. Aaron Stanfield. Won his. It was a second national event win, and he had to beat Greg Anderson to do it. 
And he not and Greg Anderson's a huge name now. Like he's probably the biggest name, one of the biggest names that's ever been in pro stock racing. You got like Warren Johnson and Bob Glidden and uh Greg Anderson is right up there with those two. Like he I think if he'd had one more win, he would have tied Warren Johnson for most wins. Like that's how many wins this guy has. And this kid beat him. Not only beat him off the tree, but he outran him. And it was just really fun to and he beat him in the uh the lane that was not favoring the pro stocks all day. The lanes were really even too. Prep was awesome. They did a killer job prepping. Um I say this because Phil knows all about, you know, drag racing. He did a lot of it. So <laughs> No, I, they they do a good job even on testing two nights up there. I went up there with the Corvette one time and it's a nice place. Oh, New England Dragway is a gem. It really is. Yeah. And it's super easy to get to. And you know what's really funny? I had no idea how close Star <clears throat> excuse me, how close Star Speedway was to that place. I had right no down the road. I had no idea you could walk to it. I was yeah. like, okay, we'll put this in the memory bank because it takes us only two hours to get here. You know, that's yeah, worth it's it. Not to a me. bad drive. It's really not. It's straight up the hill. Um funny car. 72-year-old John Forrest got his 153rd national event win. I was happy. I was so happy to watch John Forrest win because how long is this guy going to race for? You know, Who doesn't like John Forrest, too? You got to be an idiot to not like John Forrest. Yeah. The guy is just a legend. I wish, you know, I wish I'd gone down in the pits just to shake his hand, but I didn't. Um, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of little guys were making it deep in these fields. A lot of them. Uh, I think he had to go up against the guy. I don't know if he'd even ever won before. And the guy, uh, it, it was an even race, but John, obviously, 30, 40 years of experience, just, just outran him. Killer run. Oh, yeah. Probably, it goes I think back he, to what you said earlier, too. Your reactions don't really slow that slow down a whole lot the older you get. I mean, you, you, you do, but to dra- an extent. Drag race, oh, John killed him off the tree, too. Just yeah. absolutely destroyed him off the tree. But again, um, these guys, he's not going to be a circle track racer. But your no. reaction time, all you got to do is release a brake and make sure you're on the gas. You know, he, he's done it for so long. It's muscle memory at this point. You can be. I'll tell you what. If Ray Evernham called him to race an SRX, though, I bet he'd say yes. He'd probably do it. <laughs> he probably would. He probably would. That'd be amazing. Care. Oh, I'd laugh my ass off. But I remember being a kid in the late '80s, early '90s, watching this guy race. You know. And then 30 years later, he's still going at it. And it's just cool to watch. You know, I, you never know. 72 years old. My dad died before he was 72, you know? So it's like, you yeah. never know. You never know when you're going to see these guys last race. And it was just cool to watch this guy, you know, just a man who was just a ge- absolute legend of the sport in the highest regard. And then we went to Top Fuel. And uh, I think it was, ah, crap. I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, the scrapper's car. I can't remember his name, but he made it to the fight. Shoot. I should just write more notes, but Billy Torrance won. I think that's Steve Torrance's dad and, uh, game. I don't know how many races he's won, but that car was just lights out all day. Steve went out, right. in the, Steve went out in the semis cause the other car took him down, but just really just killer race. You know, if you're listening to this and you've always wondered about drag racing, like an NHRA national event, Grab your sunscreen, you know, grab some earplugs and go up to the New England Nationals. They're coming back next year. They've already announced it. Get your tickets. It's just a good time. Beautiful place. Every ticket is a pit ticket with the NHRA. 
I know we don't talk about them on the show much, but you know what? When we go to it, we might as well talk about it. So that ends that. And uh, I'm not even going to really talk about the national races except for the all-star race. And I'm not even going to waste my time on it that much. All I'm really going to say I, is, you go ahead. I feel like Jesse right now, and I think I might die. Yeah. Um, Jesse would probably knock the camera over and die by now. He'd be like, yep, I'm out, and just you know check out and fall on the floor. Um, because this race was... An atrocity. Oh, it was horrible. Okay, it was... Ho- Who the hell invited Sammy Hagar? Like, sir, what are we doing? What demographic are we trying to reach? We're trying to reach all the six-year-old Sammy Hagar. We're trying to reach all the however old he is. I guess they're trying to reach all the old fans who are already dead and gone. I mean, Jesus Christ, you're not going to get them back. How hokey was this? You know, that was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. Uh, One hour twenty minutes. Okay. Don't worry, Sid. You only got two of them this yeah, week. Yeah, you got so two, far. and they were both from Phil. So anyway, um, <sighs> so I I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to say about this freaking All Star race. It was it was horrible. First off, you see fans on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook continuously crying to NASCAR to go high horsepower, low downforce. So what do they do? They go even lower horsepower, even higher downforce. They put a wicker on the damn thing and went to 500 horsepower. It was... What are we trying to do? Turn it into Talladega? It was like watching mini stocks try to race at Thompson. Oops, I lost a little bit of momentum. Now I'm never going to pass you. What was stupid. And there was like 637 different stage formats and... Why did we run six stages? What was with six stages? Why do we need this many pauses? The old, again, I'm not trying to be an old fuddy-duddy or some kind of old boomer or something, but listen, why are you making your teams haul all the way out to Texas to run a non-points race? And, like, what's the point of it? And then you do all this stuff, and it's like nobody has any idea, literally. And that was the whole theme of it, is that no normal fan had any idea what the hell was going on the entire day. Like, if if people don't know what's going on, how are they entertained? And then well, you've got me... this package that's absolute trash. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? You know, it, it, we're not even... It's sho- not even really an all-star race anymore. We're not even showcasing the talent of the drivers. They didn't even lift for three-quarters of the lap. This is not showcasing ability or talent. You're not showcasing their their greatest assets to your sport it's a gimmick. You've reduced that, it to a gimmick. It's nothing. That, it's not even important. It is the motorsports equivalent of the WWE at this point. It's like reality TV, NASCAR. It's annoying. It's stupid. It's just ridiculous. And, and like I just said, it's it's not even all star racing anymore. Because why is Matt De Benedetto in there? I don't and, care if oh. he got the fan vote. <laughs> he ain't never won a race. He has zero accomplishments in the Cup Series. Sorry, guy. Sit your ass on the couch at home. Michael McDowell. Yeah. Ooh, he won the Daytona 500. Go the fuck home. You suck otherwise. Uh, it's, okay, we need to showcase... 23. The, we need to showcase 
the top drivers from the top three series somehow. Like a giant IROC series. Like I said to you the other day, take the old Gen 6 cars, throw them in a warehouse. Every year, send a fleet of guys out there to get them ready, tweak them out. Take the top 10 in points from the previous year from Cup Series, Xfinity Series, Truck Series, throw them in them. Take the champion from the Wheel and Modified Tour from ARCA, ARCA East, ARCA West, in the Pinty Series, throw them in them, and let them race. Uh, you know NASCAR would never pay for that. No, because they're all about maximizing what goes in their pocket and not caring about actual racing. Yeah, and they're too busy making commercials and being woke. <laughs> it's Get woke, go broke I'm is definitely working. I'm so hard to just hang on and give them a chance with the new car, but they're making it really difficult. Here's what they need to do to fix it. You ready? Winners only. Okay. Winners only, even if it's from the last year or whatever. I don't care. If you've ever if you've ever won a NASCAR race, like a cup race, that's it. That's your only qualifier. Uh, then you can be in it. Otherwise, I mean, I like the open idea. It's just a little bit extra entertainment. Extra racing is extra racing. Do you go to a racetrack and want to watch the heat races or just the features? You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, pull one guy out of that. Okay, you won your way in. Uh, but anyway, fan vote. Make it. Make Who the cares? open race the rest of the top 20 in points, however many that was from the previous season or whatever. Make it a 10-lap dash, go for it. Because you're only going to have like 12 or 13 cars in there. Yeah, it doesn't need to be any more than that. Let them go all out. Who cares, you know? Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, keep it at Charlotte because that's literally home for 90% of the teams. Stop making them travel. What the hell are you thinking? You know, there was a reason why, oh, well, they, they wanted to make it a traveling thing every year. They did it once. They started at Charlotte. They went to Atlanta the next year. Then what happened? They went back to Charlotte for 20 goddamn years. See, I disagree with it being at Charlotte. They should just stay at Charlotte. North Wilkesboro. Well, if they That'd can That'd be the build perfect it, place for it. A short track. And a, a historic short track, too. It would be fun and to go there. an hour and a half from downtown Charlotte. That's fine, too. That's a day trip. Yep. You know, I would be okay with that, especially a short track like that. Bristol, no, I don't like it there. It didn't work. Obviously didn't work. Um, I have a funny feeling that that's what SMI is trying to bring North Wilkesboro back for, is uh, for the All-Star Race, a throwback weekend, and then special events. Yeah, well, hopefully they do in general. But, yeah. again... Just keep it around the the Carolinas, you know. Why are we traveling? You know, and why get do we have these guys these sh- at home? They- I mean, the package is garbage. Why are you doing this? Why are we making the cars easier to drive? It's supposed to be about because all stars, and it's supposed they to be listen about- to the fan council. Why are they listening to the fans? The fans are all darfs. They know nothing about racing. They just like watching crashes. They're stupid. I. I s- it, someone said it to me earlier today that I made a comment on Twitter and they said I was wrong because uh, then we're alienating a different the other group of fans that NASCAR is trying to cater to. And I was like, they're trying to cater to those people because they're the ones that don't really know anything about actual racing and they're easy to manipulate. The stupidest, Therefore, hmm. yeah. The stupidest they people are always the loudest, anything. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. The stupidest are always the loudest, and the loudest always get heard the most. So it's like that's that's the the vicious cycle of anything in life. So, uh, all right, I think we've kind of uh, killed the all star race again. 
it was all around just terrible. And again, There's Sammy lots Hagar, of dead like, horses today. And then the we could talk about the band at the beginning and nobody wore the cowboy hats they were given at the driver intros and just <laughs> you name it. It was all the only bright spot of the All Star race was the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Thank you. That's all I got. I will say, <laughs> like all. I said the other day, Kyle Larson is a absolute alien. I don't know how he does what he does. I mean, you the old meme stays the same. It's, you know, Super Bowl, Chili Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Speed Bowl, don't matter, Kyle Larson by a straightaway. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep... And his schedule, yep. he's been in a race car today, he's going to be in one tomorrow, and he's going to be in one on Wednesday. It's just, he the guy races everything everywhere. He never stops. And that's what you have to do. There's a reason why the guy is killing it. All right, I think I'm done killing this thing. It, there's only so many ways I can say that it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the whole thing because I wanted to like it. I watched the whole thing because I wanted something good to happen. But when you don't see anything good happen, what are you going to say about it? And then again, you look at a guy like Ryan Priest. He wasn't even there. Anybody else Yeah, they, that? they kept saying in the broadcast that he was there and i was like no he he literally was not in the open he was driving home from racing his modified in oswego yeah um if you don't have a charter you don't have to run that they didn't have a charter so they're not going to waste the money to run it why bother right it's not even worth it to them if it was at charlotte maybe because then they wouldn't have had to drive that far and waste all that equipment to get there anyway I think yeah, but why are you going to enter a race when you know you probably don't have a chance at it? Yeah. I'm good. I think I've beaten enough horses today. What about you? You good? Any final thoughts? No, I'm all set. Again, I'm not even going to go through the other two. I don't care. <laughs> you want to talk about F1? Uh, they didn't race, I don't think, did they? No, I don't think so. Uh, there's not even any... Jesse's not here to die, so it's not worth me even coming up with any, any sort of... Sid, fall off the chair and die. I don't think he's going <laughs> to... He can't even hear us. No, he can. He's not going to do it. He's he's uh, taking care of himself in his elderly age, just like I should be. So anyway, uh, you can find this podcast on every major podcast platforms. You can find it on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. You can find it on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Sid's View. You can also, f- uh, if, if you haven't watched that... Uh, any of the Speedball documentaries, go ahead on over there and uh, watch those. And then you definitely have to watch the Stafford documentary. So if you haven't heard our special uh, episode interview with Bon Satufa, go look that one up. That's also on any major podcast platform. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BrentGleason01. Don't find me on Facebook. I don't friend people unless I know them. Uh, you can find Phil at... Uh, at PJACQUES Racing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find Jesse on gab.com slash big brown truck. So (laughs) no music today. Sorry. So anyway, um, my kid's going to be pissed at me, but I'm going to do it anyway. So keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence. Thank you all for listening. (laughs) 